Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to today's episode, which will likely deal with some dark topics and sometimes sweary words. So listener discretion is always advised. For ad-free and bonus episodes, click in the link in the show notes for exclusive content. You can support the show at buymeacoffee.com or by giving me a rate, writing a review, or subscribing to future episodes. And with all my marketing blah 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 out of the way, on with the show. A Million Other Choices is a true crime podcast, and as such, we do discuss some dark topics that might be triggering for some. As you are a true crime listener, I support you in your curiosity. However, having lost a family member to homicide, my message is always to remember not just the victims, but the families and friends left behind, and also the officers, detectives, and prosecutors that work tirelessly for justice. There are links to make monetary donations in the show notes, but more importantly, if you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and press that fifth star on your listening platform to help me grow the show. I hope you enjoy the following episode. Hello and welcome to A Million Other Choices. I am your host, Kim. We are going to Scotland today. I love Scotland. It is a beautiful country and I was lucky enough to visit and see the Edinburgh tattoo and I think it was 2015 or 2016 that we went. But as beautiful and historic as Scotland is, with some very lovely and friendly people, bad things happen there too. And today we're going to discuss one of the bad things that happened there. This is the murder of Alicia McPhail. Alicia was a delightful little peanut and the daughter of Georgina Loughran and father Robert McPhail. She had a sister named Courtney who was two years younger and was likely a half-sister, I would think. And at the time of her murder, she was living with her mom and sister in Airdrie, North Lancashire. Georgina and Robert had separated when Alicia was only three months old, so she spent every other weekend with her dad and his girlfriend, Tony McLaughlin, at her paternal grandparents' house in Rothsey on the island of Boot. Alicia was described by her teachers at Chapelside School, where she was going to start in what Scotland is called Primary 2 in the fall, which is the equivalent to Year 1 in England, so I think it's Grade 1 here. Um, She was described as smiley and happy who loved being at school. 
she, even though she was very young, she enjoyed writing, reading, like anything to do with books and gymnastics and baking cakes. On the night of July 1st, 2018, she was, so she was staying at her grandparents, Callum and Angela, along with her dad and his girlfriend, Tony, for what was to be a three-week stay for her summer holidays. And at that time, Alicia was six years old. That night, Angela put her to bed around 10 o'clock or so and let her fall asleep watching a Peppa Pig DVD. If you haven't watched Peppa Pig, you really should. It is adorable. Tony checked in on her at around 11 and found that she was asleep. The next morning, her grandpa, Calum, got up at about 6 o'clock in the morning to go to work. When he looked into Alicia's room, he, he saw that she wasn't there, and so he started to search the house, and he awoke Angela and the rest of the family. And after sort of coming to the conclusion that she wasn't anywhere in the house, a completely panicked Angela phoned 999 at 6.23 a.m., now, one thing you should know is that in the town of Rothsey, it's only about 7,000 people. So residents would just leave their doors unlocked, um, even at night. It's not, an un- it's not an unusual thing at all, and it's not even really considered an irresponsible thing to do there. Um, it's a town where pretty much everybody knows everybody else. Um, so the police were called and the family was continued to search around the property and, and anywhere that they could think of that she might have wandered off to. And Angela even posted on Facebook um, to get help in the community to help look for her. Uh, the police came in with a helicopter to scour the area and the Coast Guard volunteers searched the shoreline which was near their property. George Williams, who lived nearby, saw Angela's Facebook posts, and so he started kind of looking around for her. At 8.54 a.m., he called the police with the sad news that he had found Alicia's nude and lifeless body in a wooded area on the property of an old abandoned hotel that was about a 15-minute walk from the McPhail's house. Georgina, um, Alicia's mother, learned of the news of her daughter's death on Facebook. Um, She was about an hour's drive away in Airdrie. I just, I can't imagine waking up to that news and like on Facebook of all places. Little Alicia's body was taken away to have an autopsy done, um, but it was definitely clear that she had been murdered. And for a town the size of Rothsey, Uh, they were pretty sure it had to be like a local resident Uh, and it put the whole town on high alert. So the police encouraged anyone that was involved in the search to let the police know what areas they had searched and if they had found anything at all of interest. Jeanette Campbell, who lived a couple of blocks from the McPhail house, she lived with her mother and her 16-year-old son, Aaron. She took a look at the CCTV footage that she had from the cameras that she had installed at the front and back of her house. Her mother had dementia, so that's why she had installed them. She wanted to see if she could see anything that might help that investigation, like hopefully to see um, her wandering by her yard that night. Her son Aaron had thrown a party at the house that night um, to celebrate the end of the school year and it was about 15 people and they all left right around midnight and she had then kind of had an argument with Aaron about after the party because some of the furniture had gotten damaged and uh, but when her daughter got home that night so this was 
yeah, just still just shortly after midnight. Um, she just, just you know, everybody went to bed and she assumed that Aaron had gone to bed as well because he had been drinking. But the footage actually showed him coming and going a few times between 2 and 4 a.m. So Jeanette asked him about it and he said that he was just looking for his phone and he admitted that he had gone out also to look for some weed, to look to purchase some weed. Um, she asked him if him and her any of his friends knew anything about Alicia at all and he said no Um, now for some reason according to a blog called Chilling Crimes Jeanette was suspicious enough of Aaron that she told him that anyone that had been involved in Alicia's murder would have left behind DNA and would get caught and Aaron who of course we later learned didn't know even what DNA was um, said that he never saw the girl he didn't know anything about her so Jeanette was satisfied with his answer and turned the footage over to the police with Aaron's explanation of why he had been out that night. Aaron Campbell was brought in, of course, for questioning by Detective Constable Gavin McKellar and Detective Sergeant Stephen Hendry and was cooperative. He didn't appear concerned or worried, nervous, anything like that. He said he had been buying weed and looking for his phone. So he was released And the autopsy that was done on Alicia was actually completed very quickly by Dr. John Williams. And he said that the cause of death was significant and forceful pressure to her neck and face. He wrote in the autopsy report, The pattern of injuries to the face and neck is indicative of inflicted trauma and is consistent with manual gripping of the neck and face with a hand and the injuries around the mouth would be consistent with external covering of the mouth and nose. Examination of the spinal column within the neck revealed hemorrhage involving the intervertebral discs. These findings are consistent with forceful movement of the head and neck, for example, through shaking. There were severe injuries to the genitalia, including marked deep extensive lacerations to the vagina and anus. These injuries are consistent with severe forceful inflicted penetration of the vagina and anus. The presence of associated bruising and hemorrhage confirmed at least some of these injuries have been inflicted in life as in when she was still alive. His report didn't say that. I'm just saying that. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. There were 117 injuries reported in all. Some, he concluded, maybe were due to some of the vegetation and stuff that was in the wooded area where she was found. But a lot of them had been found to be inflicted when Alicia this delightful little peanut was still alive. Dr. Williams later testified in court that he had never seen injuries of this kind inflicted on the genital area and referred to her injuries as catastrophic. So, of course, anyone that was questioned about Alicia's murder had submitted a DNA sample. Aaron, not understanding what DNA even was, was more than happy to provide a sample. 
And of course, his DNA, including semen, was matched to 14 samples found on Alicia's body. A absolutely beautiful funeral was held for Alicia, complete with a pink coffin carried from the church to the gravesite in a horse and white carriage, I mean fitting of any six-year-old little girl, with the mournful sounds of bagpipes in the air. bagpipes always get me. So on July 4th, 2018, Aaron Campbell was charged with murder and rape and proceeded to answer any and all questions under interrogation with no comment. So who is this Aaron Campbell character and why on earth would a 15-year-old murder and rape a six-year-old little girl? Aaron was known around town as a smart kid and very popular. He played sports, he was a video gamer, and had aspirations to be a YouTuber. He particularly liked the Slenderman series, which could probably have its own episode for me. Slenderman, if you're not familiar with it, is a fictional character that originally started on this internet site called Creepypasta. He's depicted as this very tall, thin, human-like figure with a, a face, but with no features, who apparently stalks and terrorizes children. They have since actually made movies and books and graphic novels about Slender Man, and it was actually that story was connected to a stabbing, an actual real-life stabbing of a 12-year-old girl in Wisconsin, um, which inspired its own documentary, Beware the Slender Man. Anyways, you can just Google it if you're interested. Here's a snippet of Aaron that I found on YouTube of a video that he made to show off his trampoline skills. What's up guys, it's Aaron Campbell here again for another video. So I just wanted to say thank you guys very much for 50 subscribers, even though I'm nearly at 80, 50 is just a, a, a better number, like it's a rounder number. So this video is going to be a 50 subscriber special, but um, either way, thank you guys very, very much. So this is just a trampoline video, so, like, without like footless tricks, you know, like knees, back, just cool tricks that you don't use your feet with. And so yeah, thank you guys very much for watching this video. If you enjoyed it, please like and if you want to see more, please subscribe. I really appreciate all the subscribers and all the support. Thank you guys very much. And uh, There is some stuff that came out about Aaron after that really pissed off Alicia's entire family. According to a report called a learning summary case review done by the Boot Child Protection Committee, reported that Aaron had been referred twice before the murder to Avalicia to the Youth Justice Service and was actively being monitored by both the Child Protection Committee and his school, but according to the report had not yet reached their threshold for sexual harms behavior protocol. In a statement to the media after the report was leaked, they said, quote, we went beyond what was required up for an initial review and carried out a thorough multi-agency assessment of what happened. This robust process has evidence that a crime of this nature could not have been foreseen. And that's interesting because friends of Aaron said that he had this very dark side that they 
really couldn't make heads or tails of and that he had actually been witnessed killing and skinning cats in the past. Now, and Aaron didn't know Alicia. He had never seen her before, but he did know Tony and Robert, her dad and girlfriend. On December 10th, 2018, Aaron entered a not guilty plea um, and then the trial started in February 2019 in Gaslow's High Court. Ian McSporin was for the prosecution, Brian McConaughey for the defense, uh, and it was all presided over by Justice Lord Matthews, who we're going to hear from a little bit later, and we like Lord Matthews. As to the evidence against Aaron, the jury was shown the CCTV footage um, from his own house showing him leaving the house at 154 Uh, a.m. on July 2nd and returning at 3.35 and then leaving and returning again for two more short periods before 4.07 a.m. They also had additional CCTV footage um, from a few other people that had supplied it that showed an individual matching Aaron's description walking along the shoreline at 2.25 and 2.26 a.m. appearing to be carrying something in his arm. And the pathologist, Dr. John Williams, had testified that that Alicia's feet were clean and completely uninjured, which was consistent with her being carried, along with, of course, he testified about the other findings in his report. Jeanette Campbell, Aaron's mom, testified that clothing articles that had been found on the beach, things like a fleece jacket, jogging pants, boxer shorts, a t-shirt, and as well as a kitchen knife, all belonged to Aaron, and that the knife had actually come from her kitchen. Uh, They also found fibers from the jogging pants that were found on Alicia's pajamas. And Stuart Bailey, who was a DNA expert, testified that DNA that was a match to Aaron was found on all of the clothing, and a sample that had been taken from Alicia's neck area had a billion to one chance of coming from anybody other than Aaron. DNA matches were also found on her face, 14 parts of her body, and some of her clothing. An internet and cyber expert told the jury that on July 3rd, Aaron had googled how do police find DNA, and he had visited a webpage called Collecting DNA Evidence, uh, all on his phone. And then a 16-year-old whose identity can't be revealed, she testified that just hours after Alicia had been found, Aaron was on Snapchat and sent a video of his reflection in a mirror to a group of about 25 people with the words, found the guy who has done it. Brian McConaughey and Aaron's defense team completely disagreed with the prosecution's statement that Aaron had kidnapped Alicia and raped and murdered her and that they said that what had actually happened was that he had spent those early morning hours on July 2nd looking to purchase some weed and looking for his phone and um, two of his friends did testify that they had received messages from him uh, regarding weed but that they had not met up with him that night. Aaron entered what they call a special defense of incrimination, where he stated that Tony McLaughlin, who Aaron knew and had purchased weed from in the past and had even had kind of a brief sexual relationship with, was the one who had actually who was actually responsible for Alicia's death. He testified that him and Tony had sex 
at the McPhail's garage that night and said that Tony had murdered Alicia because she was jealous because of the attention that she was getting from her father and that she used the condom that they had used um, that night to plant semen on Alicia. But Angela King testified that Ashla, uh, Alicia and Tony had actually had a really great relationship. And Aaron managed to stay on the trial and face these questions about the overwhelming evidence against him for a full two hours, remaining completely composed, unfazed, and articulate, according to a journalist for The Guardian who attended the trial. After nine days of this trial, a jury did deliberate for about three hours and then found Aaron Campbell guilty on February, February 21st. Lord Justice Matthews said that the evidence against Aaron was overwhelming and that he had committed some of the most wicked and evil crimes this court has ever heard of in decades of dealing with depravity. Aaron during this time was completely emotionless. Because Aaron was under 18 at the time of the crime originally, originally he hadn't been able to be named, but after his conviction, some of the media peeps made this legal argument that for that they wanted him to be named because it was in the public interest and Justice Lord Matthews reversed the naming restriction, which was actually a first in Scottish history. We still, we like Justice Matthews for other reasons other than this one as well. In So in between his conviction and his sentencing hearing, Aaron was actually assessed by a forensic psychologist um, named Dr. Gary McPherson. And his report revealed that Aaron had actually confessed to him about the crime during this assessment period. So at the sentencing hearing, the judge had a few words for Aaron and discussed what was found in this report. Aaron Thomas Campbell, you were found guilty of the abduction, rape and murder of Alicia McPhail, a six-year-old child. Merely stating that fact is horrific enough, but the circumstances surrounding these vile crimes and the manner of their commission have quite rightly aroused revulsion and disbelief that these sorts of things could happen. I have read statements by her parents and grandparents in which they have tried to express their loss and the emptiness which greets them every day. Just as I know that no sentence which I can pass will alleviate their anguish, so I know that mere words are poor reflections of it. I have never before seen a police officer almost break down in the witness box. So affected was he by the sight. The contrast between them and you could not be more vivid. Despite the overwhelming evidence against you, you did not plead guilty but elected to go to trial. That was your right, and I do not increase your sentence because of it. However, it is symptomatic of your staggering lack of remorse. Not once during the trial did I detect a flicker of emotion from you, and that was also the experience of the professionals who interviewed you for the purposes of the reports, to which I will turn shortly. D your defence was one of incrimination of a young woman, Tony Louise McLaughlin, and you gave evidence in support of it. It was a cruel travesty of the truth, which was understandably reported widely in the media and left her open to suspicion at the very least and quite possibly hatred, all of which was due to your perverted machinations. I am very grateful to Mr McConaughey, who today made it clear that she was completely innocent. Each of these reports contains clear admissions by you of your guilt. Not only that, and this is a terrible thing to say of one so young, 
but they paint a clear picture of a cold, callous, calculating, remorseless and dangerous individual. Dr McPherson noted that you presented your account in a matter-of-fact manner, notable for the absence of any emotions. He recorded that you told him that in the 12 months prior to the murder, he entertained thoughts of doing something excessive, including rape. Your account, in brief, was that you had been drinking but wanted cannabis and decided to break into the house to get some. You took a kitchen knife because you wanted to protect yourself, but having gained entry, you left the house and disposed of it. You returned to the house and entered Alicia's bedroom. Amongst other things, Dr McPherson records that you told him that you had consumed one and a half bottles of wine between 8 o'clock and 8.30, but that you did not feel intoxicated, although you told the social worker that you still felt the effects of it. You were not under the influence of any illicit substances. He records that when you saw Alicia, your reaction, according to you, was as follows, and I quote, a moment of opportunity. At any other time in life, murder wouldn't have been the conclusion. If I was a year younger, I don't think I would have done it. All I thought about was killing her once I saw her. You told both Dr McPherson and the social worker in some detail what you did. You said that Alicia was drowsy and became a bit more awake when you went outside. At one point she asked who you were and where you were going. You said you were a friend of her father's and that you were taking her home. You gave her your top because she was cold. I will not go into the horrific and cold-blooded details of what you said you did to her, but you explained that after you murdered Alicia, you threw your bloodstained clothing into the sea, had a shower, and then went back where you left her to retrieve your phone. Dr McPherson reports that you told him that over the next few days you were totally unconcerned, other than to be mildly amused that the police had not arrested you. Two other aspects of his report are worth mentioning. The first is that you told him that at points during the trial it took everything to stop you laughing and you had to zip your mouth. The second is that you volunteered that you were quite satisfied with the murder. According to all of the reports, you are not suffering from any mental health disorder and indeed you are not suffering from any syndrome or disorder of any kind. On the other hand, you are completely lacking in victim empathy, the social worker noting your cold, calculating manner. The only sentence I can impose on you is detention without limit of time. In addition, you will be subject to the notification provisions of the Sexual Offences Act 2003 for an indefinite period. However, I also have to specify a period which must pass before you can apply for release on parole. Whether you will ever be released will be for others to determine. But as matters stand, a lot of work will have to be done to change you before that could be considered. It may even be impossible. I have taken account of the circumstances of the offences, the contents of the reports and everything said on your behalf. The nature of these appalling offences and what I have read in the reports make it clear to me that reintegration and rehabilitation while these are important considerations, are remote possibilities, and neither your best interests nor anyone else's will be served by a speedy return to the community. 
Nonetheless, the punishment part will not be as long as it would have been had you been an adult. Your sentence will run from 6 July 2018. You will be detained without limit of time and I fix the punishment part at 27 years. Georgina's mother spoke to the media outside the courthouse on her daughter's behalf. Remember, I'm just a mother speaking on behalf of other mothers. So um, today, so much for it to take in. I, mean, I don't know how she held herself together today. She's a broken woman, but she'll go and... She's determined to do something about this, though she's determined that she's going to join us, our organisation as a volunteer, and we'll lobby the courts and we'll lobby whatever we can do and make changes. I think that he's a very clever, manipulative young man. I think that he's learned quickly that he will maybe get um, rehabilitated quicker if he says that he admits to it. I think it's a sh- uh, it doesn't surprise me. I would expect him to do that but he's not as clever as he thinks he is, so I would hope that he'll be away for a very, very long time. It's just been... There's no words to describe what this trial has been to the family and to everyone, the, the public, everyone. Well, first of all, they, they, they put him through... They put them all through a trial. And, you know, they sat there and, and they put him through a trial and then sit for him to say that, he, he, you know, he, was sag- he had to stop himself laughing throughout that, you know, and then to say things like it was a moment of opportunity, you know, that's just shattering for any family to hear but the fact that they put, her through, they put them through a trial and then they had to hear things and see things that they might not have had to. Well, we talk about life sentence, there was, there was a few people in there got a life sentence today and, and the, the McPhail family and, and Georgina's family, it's not a 27 year sentence, it's a life sentence they will never, ever, ever be the same again. On September 10th, 2019, Aaron Campbell actually successfully appealed his sentence and reducing the minimum term from 27 years to 24 years because he felt 27 years was excessive and cruel. And the three judges on the appeal panel actually agreed with that, that the original sentence had been excessive for his age, but they did not dispute Lord Matthew's suggestion that the, that he may never be released. Aaron Campbell is currently housed at the H.M. Young Offenders Institution, Polmont, and he's going to be moved to an adult prison when he turns 21, which I believe is sometime this year, and he will be eligible to apply for parole when he is 40. And that was the sad murder of Alicia McPhail. You know, as a mom myself, you put your little ones down to bed for the night and I can't even imagine the terror of waking up and finding you know one of them is gone and then to s- discover that some animal has put his hands on her and taken her life and I mean her dying alone and afraid and without her mom or dad or anyone with her I just I think it would just be too much to bear on that note please join me again next week for another case in the meantime, spread the word, rate, follow, review, Instagram, Facebook, all that, etc., etc. stuff. And thank you for listening. Listening.